Hi there, I'm Robert Netgen, host of the Information Security Podcast. Today, we are live from the Information Security Summit 2019 event in Cleveland, Ohio, where thought leaders and industry experts come together for three days of intriguing discussion, networking, and learning. Steve Hunt of Cyber Resilient Organizations. Steve, welcome to the Information Security Summit podcast. Thanks, Rob. It's really great to be here. So tell me about Steve Hunt and tell me about cyber resilient organizations. Well, I'm a uh, independent consultant, a strategy consultant. I'm the guy who helps security organizations or security leaders to make more money and get bigger budgets. So my part of the cyber resilience equation is to get those security programs funded and get career executives excited about their career again. You mean cyber executives are not excited? You mean there's burnout? I'm being sarcastic because I've read not one, but at least three articles in the last two months that talks about the fact that CISOs, security managers, security analysts, there's a lot of burnout and, and stress in this industry. Oh, and it's worse than that. By the time we finish this podcast, Rob, four CISOs will lose their jobs. This is happening in the Fortune 5000. These are companies with budgets, and those CISOs are not winning. They're not succeeding. 66% of those CISOs will leave their jobs disappointed. So why is that? Why are CISOs leaving their jobs? Well, if you ask them, half of them will say that senior management or internal politics was inhibiting their success. It's somebody else's fault. They'll blame someone else. From my point of view, though, it's that in our industry, we've got a problem with the Peter Principle. Are you saying that people are elevated into positions of authority and maybe they're not the right person for that leadership role in cybersecurity? We all start out as really good technologists and really good technologists become pretty good team leaders and then so-so managers and then crappy CISOs and that's how they lose their jobs. So what's the formula for a good CISO? There are three secrets to excellence in a CISO. The first is something that it took me most of my almost 30-year career to discover. I started out as a locksmith, worked my way through college and grad school, got a philosophy degree. But in the process, I was messing around with computers. I got my first job out of University of Chicago at the Chicago Board of Trade, and we got hacked. And getting hacked... What time frame was this? This is early 90s, after spending the 80s building PC clones in my dorm room. It was pretty exciting because it never dawned on me that my locksmithing knowledge and my computer hobby would ever come together. And these two intersected because somebody accessed these systems and, and right. this wasn't like war games. This is real life. So I, I retooled for a career in IT security in that moment in the early 90s and rode the wave of IT security through its glory days up to the dot-com boom and bust. But during those years, security was exciting to us techies. We would run through the halls like chicken little, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, look at all the bad things that are about to happen. We're vulnerable, we're vulnerable. Exactly, exactly. And Red alert, danger Will Robinson. But Just for everybody metaphors. else, security was this annoying layer of cost and inconvenience, and we were just oblivious to that perception. And The perception that all these security nerds, they're always just, they're saying, yeah, we need to spend more money, yeah, there's, there's something going on, and a lack of belief at the executive level. 
not even credibility, not let alone faith. And are we guilty as security professionals of creating that situation unbeknownst well, for to ourselves? sure. In the 90s, yeah, we, we were really Cassandra's just proclaiming the end of the world. But after the dot-com bubble burst, this is when it all changed. We had to, for the first time, get called into the CEO's office. The head of every business unit got called in because the economy was breaking and and everyone's knees were shaking and heads were rolling. And every business unit had to justify what they were doing from a business point of view. And cybersecurity was no different. They got called into the CEO's office. He'd say, so, are we prepared? What are you doing for me? Tell me the value you're creating. Why are we spending so much money and we still get hacked? By, by this guy who wants to drop, you know, pirated DVDs on our web exactly. server or so something like that. Exactly. So what's the answer? What's the only answer that IT professionals had in those days? Think of all the bad things that would happen if we weren't doing it. So the CEO said, uh, come back with a better answer. And everywhere across America, across Europe, everyone, every IT department had the same existential moment where they had to... Think, how do we describe the value of security from business terms? And the best answer they came up with, and we still use it today, is somebody at that table way down in the cold, dark data center when they're all putting their heads together, how do we talk about the value of security? Somebody at that table would undoubtedly say, and I'm sure it happened all over the world at the same moment, they said, well, my brother-in-law talks about bad things happening and He sells life insurance, and maybe we're insurance salesmen. And that was it. Like, from that moment on, security became... The epiphany. The eureka moment. It's the way to be taken seriously, but we don't Because we're talking to human beings, and we're trying to logically persuade them, and it's not quite that way. We have to have something better than think of all the bad things that would happen. So we had to come up with something. We didn't call it insurance. We called it something highfalutin, something businessy. What did we call it? Risk assessment? Risk management, exactly. Risk management is just a fancy way of saying selling insurance. It's a way of protecting the bottom line of the organization. And this is trying to teach security nerds who are experts at defining a rule set for a firewall how to talk the business language that the business folks understand. That was the beginning. It's It's a baby step forward, but boy, oh boy, is it a lucrative baby step. The first person at Deloitte who heard this thought, that's the greatest thing I ever heard of, and and launched the whole risk management movement. And now it's a multi-bazillion dollar industry. I mean, the conversations between IT security types and business professionals is almost like source material for a script for an episode of The Office. (laughs) And and this has got to change if we're to be effective as security professionals. And that's why I I told people from the beginning and still say there has to be something better than selling insurance. Rhonda McLean was CISO of Bank of America many years ago. And she said to me, Steve, why do we have brakes on a car? I said, Rhonda, we have brakes on a car to stop. And she said, well, if our intention were to stop, we would just not go anywhere in the first place. We have brakes on a car so we can drive fast. Security is in a company so it can allow the company to be even more aggressive, more agile, and zigging and zagging through the traffic of its competition and its market. It's, it's, a, it's a way of unleashing the horsepower and potential of an organization, security is. But we don't think of it that way in the industry most of the time. We think of it as a way of 
protecting ourselves and keeping bad things from happening when it, in reality it's exactly the opposite. So the title of your topic, Cyber Resilient Organizations, what does it mean for a company to be cyber resilient? Of the 400 organizations that I've had the great pleasure to work with, there are a subset of them that are truly cyber resilient. They are the ones that get hit over and over and over with every bad thing that's out there. And they just shrug it off. It's no big thing. And they also have huge budgets for cybersecurity and very happy and well-paid cybersecurity professionals. And senior management has complete buy-in and support of security. So what is different about those organizations where most organizations are the opposite? Fragmented, improvisational, shoot-from-the-hip security management is the norm everywhere else. It's like working in a fire department, running from one alarm to the next with this all-consuming desire to hunt down and destroy the next threat. But that's not the way it is in those hyper-resilient organizations. And let me ask you, are you modeling organizations that have been successful? And are you lifting that information of their success and sharing it with other organizations saying, this is the model for doing it right? Am I interpreting this correctly? I've been invited to those organizations to study their resilience, and many companies have hired me hoping that I could extract that secret sauce and bottle it and somehow sprinkle the same combination of architectures and policies and processes on them so that they could imitate the resilience. And I tried. I thought the answer was brakes on a car. I thought initially this first moment of enlightenment for me was that if we instead frame the value of security in terms of the top line of the balance sheet instead of the bottom line, everyone would benefit. That means let's talk about how does security help to create revenue, create agility, create competitive differentiation, not how does it keep bad things from happening, cut costs, lower spending. That difference was the first thing that we tried. And everywhere we use this value of security orientation, companies thrived. They were able to become more resilient. They got bigger budgets and people got bigger salaries. How so do you really measure works. cyber resiliency? How do you differentiate an organization which is successful from one that's just plain lucky? One of the easiest, obvious ways is to watch turnover of the CISO. So if the CISO turns over 18 every 18 months, as it does in most organizations, then you know that they're not doing things right. They don't have the right leadership. Another way is look at those same companies and look at their budgets relative to IT and then look at the number of self-confessed attacks that they've endured. And if they're happy to show you how many at attacks they've endured and you can compare their budgets, there is an algorithm for determining this subset. But the secret sauce wasn't evident to me immediately. And because this value of security message wasn't really working for everybody, it, it helped a little, but it was inconsistent. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the secret sauce. There was something else. We had to keep looking. And when I found the, the next secret to this resilience, I, I wasn't I didn't beat myself up because it was not on my radar at all. Nobody in the IT security world was talking about it. 
and I'd be happy to tell you what it is. You've got my interest piqued. I heard a story that George Washington, one of the first things he did as president was created the first government agency. Can you imagine what the first government agency George Washington made was? Was it the Internal Revenue Service? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. It was the Bureau of Weights and Measures. Why? Because he wanted to make sure a, a pound of wheat was the same in Connecticut as in the Carolinas, or an ounce of gold was the same. Inspired in, by a farmer, which he ran a large farm, uh, yeah, the President exactly. of Washington. And so he wanted to make sure trade was equitable everywhere. And thus was born the U.S. Department of Commerce. It was called Bureau of Weights and Measures in those days. Today we call it NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technologies. Wait a minute, the, the same NIST? That's NIST.gov yeah, that we oldest, get all these frameworks agencies. from? At least one of the frameworks. Measurement frameworks. It's a way of measuring standardizing measurements. And that's what Bureau of Weights and Measures was all about. So NIST is our oldest agency. And at NIST, of course, we have the cybersecurity framework, but way down at the other end of the hall is a different group. The cybersecurity folks had never met these folks, and nor had I until about eight years ago when I met the Baldridge Performance Excellence Framework team under NIST. Performance excellence is a different type of framework. It has nothing to do with cybersecurity. It gave birth to things like ISO 9000 and Six Sigma and Lean, and, and it modeled after Kaizen in, in Japan. Things like that. It's continuous improvement, performance excellence. Get the right people doing the right jobs, following the right processes, and you get success. You get excellence. Continuous improvement is the foundation of it. And I discovered this, Rob. The most resilient companies, these most cyber-resilient organizations, they have this orientation toward value that I talked about, talking about the top line, but they also follow a performance excellence framework. That's amazing to discover. Is it beyond information security when you say performance excellence? It has nothing to do with information security. It's about doing things like documenting your know-how, writing down how things are done, coaching, mentoring, and cross-training your employees so people can change it's jobs outside easily. of information security. It's completely other. That's, but if that's they an eye-opening moment when yes, you think about that. It, it, was, it was one of those, aha, the heavens opened for me. So when you talk to a CISO or someone who's called a CISO who maybe is a CISO in name only, is that a common phenomenon, CISO in name only? And, and what I'm referring to is a person who's called a chief information security officer, but they're not really an officer From the of the company. From the earliest days, that, that's the thing, yeah, that, of course. They're, they're just given that title. They were senior firewall administrators being given that title in the early days. And, and how do you coach these individuals? I mean, They're not I, chiefs. I, I think they're I envision you as being like the Tony Robbins of CISOs. You know, he is a success motivation coach. It sounds to me like you're coaching CISOs to be successful. What advice would you give to the CISOs listening to this podcast thinking, man, wh what can I do? What do you tell them? My advice for many years was have this value orientation and use a performance excellence framework like Baldridge. But it's not, it's a little different now because I discovered, Rob, that not every organization that uses performance excellence is cyber resilient. And yet all the resilient ones have a performance excellence framework. It means there's a missing ingredient. So the advice I give to CISOs is to use this missing ingredient. It's that ingredient you have to sprinkle into the cocktail to activate all the other ingredients to finally get the, the, the lasting excellence. And that ingredient I just 
finally discovered. And it's, it's you, it's me, it's the CISOs. What I mean is, if an organization doesn't have enough security budget to become resilient, to really do security right, it's because the people of security have not sold it well enough internally. If management is not buying in and, and supporting security enough, it's the security professional's fault. There are no organizations, no companies that take cybersecurity seriously. There are only organizations that take cybersecurity leaders seriously. So the advice I give is become a better leader. And I have specifics around that, but that is the, the third of these surprising secrets of excellence. Steve Hunt is a ISSA Distinguished Fellow and Hall of Fame inductee. And it has been a pleasure to talk with you today, Steve. If uh, people are interested in following you and your work and, and they want to contact you, what's, what's the best way to communicate with Steve Hunt? Instagram is stevehunt.100. LinkedIn, you can all find me, Steve Hunt. And my email, just drop me a note, steve.hunt at huntbi, bravo indigo, bi.com. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the Information Security Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, you can listen to more from the Information Security Summit 2019, featuring keynotes and behind-the-scenes interviews with some of the summit's speakers by subscribing to the Information Security Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Or go to informationsecuritysummit.org. We'd like to give special thanks to our sponsors, ASMGI and Bright Skies. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay secure.